You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Everybody alive, awake, alert, enthusiastic? Uh, I don't know, man. It's just so, so, so uh, Christmas is coming and excited about that. Hope you have a good Christmas season. I know some in our room here have uh, challenges, and we've had uh, death in our family here at Antioch and the weight of that as well. But thank you uh, for your encouragement to those who need encouragement, and it means a lot. We're going through uh, the book of Matthew together, as most of you already know. If you're a a guest today, welcome to our family. And we're going through the book of Matthew uh, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. Uh, one of the best ways to go through the Bible, there's different ways to take different sections of Scripture, but one of the ways of going through the Bible, verse by verse and chapter by chapter, we would tackle situations we probably wouldn't tackle. Uh, we're going to look at uh, Matthew chapter 17 today from 14 to 27. It's an interesting passage, but these are passages you probably would just say, well, I'm going to kind of skip over that one, but we're, gonna, we're not going to skip over that one, all right? So we're going to kind of work through it, how God's going to use this in our lives to make a difference in the lives of others. So it means a lot that you are here. Let's pray together. We're going to jump in then to uh, Matthew chapter 17. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can uh, call you our Father. It communicates a relationship with you that we certainly don't deserve, but we, we get it because of your grace and the saving work of Jesus Christ in our life. We thank you for that. I thank you for each person in this room today. We're not in this room by accident. I know you're going to speak to our hearts, and your word is dynamic. Your word is living. So I pray that you would speak through me, your word that goes out, that makes a difference, God, in our lives. I pray for those in these rooms and today, these seats that are going through maybe a difficult season, that God, today, you would encourage them and provide for them And we thank you for the privilege of worship to gather together and look into your word to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your faithfulness, Father. When I'm unfaithful, you are still faithful. Thank you for that. We give all this to you, we pray in Jesus' name. And together, church, we said, Amen. amen. Matthew chapter 17, our focus will be on verses 14 down through verse 27. The first 13 verses in Matthew's gospel here in chapter 17 was a defining moment to prove and demonstrate that Jesus is God. Uh, Last week, Pastor Steve did a great job navigating that through us and working through that passage of the transfiguration, known as the transfiguration, where the point of that was is that human nature, Jesus, met God, and Jesus became the connecting point of his divine nature. It's just a great statement in that passage in chapter 17. As soon as Jesus came down from the mountain, he immediately met the reality and the weight of life. Uh, He moves from the the high of the mountain, the transfiguration, to the day-to-day realities and difficulties of life, people with sickness, human frailty, and even going to find in this passage demonic tendencies. 
In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 14 through 27, we discover the power of God revealed in the valleys of life as much as we experience on the mountaintops of life. You may be in a mountain time situation of life. That's awesome. It may be a valley time of life where we just don't know exactly what's going on, how God is at work, but we know that God is at work. Amen, church? He is faithful to work in our lives. We're going to look at three particular focuses today. First, that Jesus confronts his disciples' unbelief. Second, Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. And number three, Jesus defines his authority. So first, Jesus confronts his disciples' unbelief. Reading the passage here in verse 14 through verse 21. And when they came to the crowd, this is speaking of Jesus, the crowd, the crowd of people, a man came to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast out? And he said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible. A dynamic section of Scripture here with Jesus confronting his disciples. Matthew chapter 17 captures an overwhelming scene of emotions. Jesus is surrounded by the crowd. He just came off the transfiguration. And now there's people all around him wanting to hear and to know him and to see him. A desperate unnamed person in this passage, just a man and a son. Kind of wonder what was this man's name, this son's name. And he's desperate. He's desperate for Jesus. He's desperate to heal his son. Have you ever been in a situation, and perhaps we all have, to be in a desperate situation where you just can't navigate through it and get your way through it, and that's the situation here. He has an epileptic son experiencing overwhelming suffering. And so you feel the weight of this. You feel the weight of this dad, his son, but this dad's not going to give up. He's going to keep pursuing Jesus. I, I need to, my son needs to be healed, and he's pursuing Jesus. So we feel the, the weight of this story that really, in essence, there's no hope for this man's son except from Jesus. In our own personal lives, church family, sometimes we think, man, there's just going to be, just, I don't have any hope. But our ultimate hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. What a promise that is for us and encouragement. But nothing was going to stop this son getting to, to Jesus, this dad getting his son to Jesus. He was willing to do whatever it took. He was confident that Jesus could heal his son. A season of desperation. And so in verse 16, the father brings his son to the disciples, accepting, expecting to them to heal their son. But they couldn't heal him. The situation then seems hopeless for this dad and his son. The disciples lacked the faith to do what Jesus gave them to do and the authority to do. 
And then in verse 17, Jesus responds to his disciples with rather kind of a harsh statement, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I going to put up with you? In his humanity, Jesus seems to be frustrated with his disciples. So we, we kind of get that, right? You've experienced it, haven't you? Somebody who kind of gets frustrated with you, you can't get going. You, you guys should have been able to do this, all right? And so there's this, this, this frustration. It's this picture of twisted. That word twisted there implies a disordered perception of Jesus. But in his humility, because Jesus was God and Jesus was man, but in his humility, he puts up with his disciples. Aren't you glad that God puts up with you? I'm glad that God puts up with me, man. I'd be, I'd be, be horrible if he didn't. And so he, re, he rebukes, in verse 18, the demon. And the demon comes out of his son, and he was healed instantly. Demonic demons in those days were prevalent. Much of that to attack Jesus himself. We even see that happens today in, in, in our life. As believers, we may experience what we call demonic oppression, but not demonic possession. As a believer, Jesus is in our heart and life, and demons cannot attach us. Here's what the Bible says in John 4, 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he was greater than he who is in the world. For he is greater than anybody else in the world. So we don't have to, we don't have to worry about, about that. Jesus, who lives in you, is more powerful than the enemy. And by the way, church, demonic is still happening. Demons still happen in our culture, right? Many times in different places around the world. But God is able, and as a believer, they cannot possess us. They may oppress us, but they cannot possess us. So the disciples come to, this, to Jesus privately and say, then, well, why couldn't we drive him out? Why couldn't we do this? And Jesus replies, because of your little faith. That little faith term doesn't mean the disciples were, in essence, lacking faith, but rather an inactive or weak faith. So Jesus is saying, the reason you couldn't cast out this demon and this boy was because of your little faith. What about your faith and, and my faith? Faith is a great gift. We're going to define that in just a few moments. Faith is a great gift that God gives to us, to have that confidence in who he is and, and the promise he's able to do in our lives. I thought about just in my own personal life, what causes little faith? Sometimes it's, it's just a lack of confidence. But it's not confidence. It may be doubt or anxiety or, or depression or fear, maybe even uncertainty or disbelief. But for some reason, these disciples were not able to deliver this from this man this man's son. And so what Jesus does in this passage is he illustrates faith as a very small mustard seed the size of one to three millimeters. You, you, you could barely even see it. So, so what's the, what is the point that Jesus is making here? He's saying the smallest faith can also have the greatest effect. The illustration of the mustard seed is not about the amount of faith, but rather the focus on your faith. The faith of a mustard seed means that it doesn't take a lot of faith to make a huge impact. Jesus saying, little faith makes it possible to make a significant influence in your life and the lives of others. If you have faith, he says, you can even move a mountain. Now, he's not describing here a literal mountain. 
He's talking about a mountain here, and it was a metaphor, very common in Jewish culture and literature, to accomplish something that seemed impossible. Jesus never meant this word for them to be literally, even though Jesus, if he wants to, amen, could remove a mountain, right? if he will. So he's not saying just have enough faith. Right? So I've heard people say, you just don't have enough faith. You've got, you got to have more faith. If you had more faith, you could do this. God uses little faith, church. Yeah, right. Little faith. Sometimes we want this big, huge faith, and he says, God just uses little faith in our lives. I came across a statement this week by Josh Moody, who is a senior pastor of College Church in Wheaton, Illinois, and he framed it this way. I thought it was very perspective. He says this, Jesus is surely referring to the mountain from which he has just descended, the transfiguration. His point is that the handoff has been taking place on the mountain when Elijah and Moses talk to Jesus. And God announces again that Jesus is his beloved son. Is a mountain-moving moment. He goes on to say, if we have this sort of faith that the mustard seed illustrates, then we will see Jesus at work in this world powerfully. I, I like that last statement. If we have this sort of faith that the mustard seed, that little tiny piece illustrates, then we see Jesus at work in the world powerful. So Jesus is making a point to the disciples that a small amount of faith with a great God can do great things. God is good. So, so what is faith? What is faith? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 defines it this way, that faith is confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. We, we, can't, we can't see what's going to happen this afternoon. We don't know what's going to happen this afternoon, right? I mean, I don't want to be weird with this, but I mean, I guess by faith, I'll have lunch today maybe. You know what I mean? Or, or by faith, we'll do this. So sometimes we get, it's, where it's all about us and what we can do. I'm not trying to be weird with that, but I just, we, faith is a big deal, all right? That we trust in him. Our, our salvation, our relationship with Jesus Christ is by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of words anyone should boast. Without faith, we, we can't have even a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. I love what he says about that, that faith is confidence that we hope for what will really actually happen. And then Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So here's faith. Faith is confidence that God is, and he will do what he promised to do. God is trustworthy, church. Amen. There have been times in my life, as there are in your lives, where you don't exactly know what to do. How should I navigate this situation? And God is faithful. Faithful to his word. Faithful in his faithfulness. The Bible says even when we are unfaithful as Christ's followers, he is still faithful with us. There's times I'm not faithful, but God is faithful. God is faithful. Faith is confidence that God is and will do what he promised to do. Timothy Keller puts it this way. He says, faith is not primarily a function of how you feel, 
Faith is living out and believing what truth is despite what you feel. Faith is not primarily a function of how you feel. Faith is living out and believing what truth is despite what you feel. Here here it is right here. Faith, the, the truth of the living word of God, church. We build our faith on the truth of Jesus Christ. So Jesus confronts his disciples with their unbelief. And then Jesus briefly in this section predicts his death and his resurrection in verse 22 and 23. And they were gathering in Galilee, and Jesus said to his disciples, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. This is the second time that Jesus has given this information to his disciples about his suffering, about his death, and about his resurrection. He's giving his disciples a heads up. Right? Back in chapter 16, verse 21, the first time they mentioned that, I mean, they, they kind of heard it, but they were looking for Jesus to come and just set up a, a dynamic, you know, just a great piece to just to live our lives in a way that'll make a difference for Christ, and it's all about us, but really it's all about Jesus. They don't have a full grasp on Jesus and who he is and, and the reason why they are failing, and that's so often with my life and with perhaps your life. So Jesus confronts his disciples' unbelief. He predicts his death and resurrection. And then Jesus defines his authority. In chapter 17, verse 24 and 27, this is an interesting passage here. Uh, and uh, we're going to work our way through it. Verse 24. When they came, when the disciples came to Capernaum, the collectors of the half-shekel tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? And he said, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him, to Peter, first saying, what do you think, Simon? His name is Simon Peter. From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said from others, Jesus said to him, then the sons are free, are free from, from tax. However, not to give offense to them, He says to Peter, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them, the tax collectors, for me and for yourself. I probably wouldn't even kind of work this verse through. That's what I love about Matthew chapter 17. And just go, okay, what is is he talking about here? what, What is Jesus doing here in this section? Well, Capernaum was was headquarters for the disciples and for Jesus Christ. As they arrived to Capernaum, Jewish leaders were walking around collecting finances for the tax of the temple, for the upkeep and for the temple. They did it every year. And they they would tax those who were 20 years, men 20 years of age and older, and the tax would be like a one to two day wage, all right? So how about that here? We could do it here. How about we just do that? We just say, okay, here we're going to do a church. We're going to do this deal here. One to two days of wages for Antioch, for the church. I'm not getting any hands there. Okay, not getting anybody here. We could probably build a new church pretty quick by that, right? All right? If two of us could take all of that. And that's, not, that's not the point of the passage. Okay, I'm just, I'm just having some fun with you. So he goes on to say, this shekel, one to two days of wages... And Matthew 
is the only gospel writer who shares this story. It's just a unique story that Jesus gives in this passage. So it's the only one mentioned in all four gospels. Verse 24 and 25, he says, those who collected the tax, they approached Peter. So here's the tax collectors walking around. These would walk around the, the, the town and say, hey, we need, we need, we need money. Two, two days of wages for the, for the temple. So they approached Peter and they asked the question, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? And Peter said, yes, he does. When it becomes later evident that they hadn't paid the tax. So he just, that's just kind of what we do. It's part of, the, part of their culture. But evidently, they hadn't, we're going to see they hadn't paid the tax. And so when Peter entered the house, Jesus said to him, Simon, Peter, what, so what do you think about this tax? What do you think? What do you think? Do the kings of the earth tax their own people? Or do they tax foreigners? Do they take it from their sons? All right. Or from others? And Peter said, from others. All right. So... It, the point is there, it's from not the sons, not the Jews, right? But they did take their tax, but he said it's for, it's for others, from others. Jesus said the tax foreigners are those who have, have, have conquered. So the sons of citizens, he says, are exempt. The sons, he says, are free. Why? The temple is God's house. This temple that was built... This was the house of God. God was not confined to this space, but this is, this is God's house. It's like Jesus saying, this is God's house. We don't, we don't have to pay a tax, but to not offend the people, he says to Peter, here's the deal. I don't want to be sensitive to offend people, so Peter, get your fishing pole. Go down to the Sea of Galilee. You're going to catch a fish, right? And that fish is going to have a, a shackle on it, silver coin on it, and you t- pick it up and you bring it to me, all right? Wow, okay, that just sounds like crazy, right? <laughs> and when you open your mouth up, you're going, to find, you're going to find this coin. Can you imagine what Peter was thinking as he was making his way to the Sea of Galilee? Yeah. I, I mean, I know Jesus is amazing, but I don't get why this thing is a fit. No, no bait, no nothing. Just take your fishing pole and cast it. You're going to get a fish on it, and that fish, you're going to kind of pull him out, and he's going to blip, spit out a, a silver shekel, right? Only Jesus, all right? I just, I just love that. I love it, all right? It's, it's, it's just Jesus. And so he, they, he takes that coin that he that threw up in his hand from the, from the fish, and they give it to those who need the help for the taxes, and the point of the, the issue is this. Jesus did what he did so as not to offend people, but to reach people. Right? That's, a good, that's a good statement. He is saying if anyone's going to be offended, let them be offended by the gospel. Right? As Christ followers, we don't have to go around trying to you know, beat up on people. Right? Uh, offending people. Right? But it's different when, when the gospel offends. Are you with me, church family? When the gospel offends someone. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith in the person of Jesus Christ. That if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the mouth confession is made and with the heart man believes into righteousness. Whoever believes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. That's, that's the gospel. And if we're not careful as Christ's followers... I, I believe, and, we, and there's been times I've done it, 
we become offensive to people, right? Are you with me, church? We become offensive. When we, we should reach out to people and not offend them for the sake of the gospel. I, I love the point here that Jesus is making to his disciples. Yes, Peter, go get your fishing pole, get this thing, and let's, take, let's just take this one shekel, one to two days of wages to give it because I don't want to offend those who need to have that shekel for the temple because I want to reach their lives. I want to make a difference in their lives. What a unique miracle that Jesus does. He does what he does not to offend those who are not following him. As Christ's followers, we are responsible to be and do what Jesus calls us to be and do. We talked about it months ago, the salt of the earth, amen, the light of the world, that God would use your life and my life to make a difference in the lives of others. We all have different personalities. We all have different things we're connected with. But the bottom line is, as Christ followers, that God wants to use your life and my life to make a difference in the lives of others. We don't need to be offending people, all right? But if the gospel offends, the gospel offends. You don't have to be harsh with people right? to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Application. When it comes to your faith, in what area of your life do you find yourself deficient? What, what, what about your faith? I'm thinking about my faith the last couple of weeks. What about my faith? Right? I, I love what Jesus, even just a little, little faith can make a difference. Right? Sometimes I think, oh, this big thing, all right? He's not talking about a literal mountain, you know. He's going to use your life. He wants to use your life in faith. What about your life and my life when it comes to faith? Let me give you a couple of thoughts by application, and then we'll wrap it up. How can we best respond to faith from this passage? Number one, look to the authority of Jesus. Look to the authority of Jesus. At Matthew 28, 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Our ultimate authority is Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah. Now, we have, different, we have lots of authorities, all right? We have a lot of authorities. But, and we, and we, ought, we ought to obey those authorities. But our ultimate authority is Jesus Christ. Do you look in your life, do you and I look to the authority of Jesus? When we make decisions in our life, does even Jesus come up on our radar? Do we just sometimes run just to do what we want to do and not even think about the fact that what does Jesus want me to do through this? Maybe even a prayer is a thought. I mean, just to, what, what should I be doing with my life? How could I grow in, in my faith as a Christ follower? And one of, the reasons, one of the ways we can grow in faith is by the word of God, amen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith. Number two, listen to the word of Jesus. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That we not only read the word, but we listen to the word. I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of Antioch and, and, uh, and Pastor Steve and his leadership here. I just I, just to, to hear the word of God, all right, is good. Uh, I'd like to listen to 
people on the radio or on television, just to, to hear the Word of God. The difference that God can make in the Word of others. Do you listen to the Word of Jesus? We can read it, but do we hear it? Uh, I know many of you read your Bible. Uh, one of my goals is to read the, the one-year Bible. And, and what happens is I'm not careful that one-year Bible. I'm not a, you know, I'm not, is I can, I can read it. You know, it maybe takes 15, 20 minutes. I read it, and I can close it. And five minutes later, maybe you guys don't, that probably doesn't happen to anybody in this room here. I'm probably, you guys are... <laughs> You guys are amazing, all right? So it, it's, it's more than just reading. I'm, I'm convicted by that, more than just reading. Yeah. Lately trying to say, can I just, out of that section, can I just even pick one verse to focus on that one verse? It's so easy, maybe we, just to read it, da, 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 read it, close it, and then boom, we go off for the day, and that's, never think about it again. Convicted by that. It's really better to read probably two or three or four verses than maybe to read 30 verses or 50. I don't know. I'm just being, that's not even on my note. Just kind of throwing that out for you. I don't know how that works. So we want, we want to read it, obviously, but then we want to live it. Amen. Memorize it. Make it a part of our, our life. Look to the authority of Jesus. Listen to the word of Jesus. And then live for the glory of Jesus. Live for the glory of Jesus. The sun is the radiant or reflection of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Hebrews 1.3. I love that statement, the radiant or reflection of God's glory. The glory of God. If I'm not careful and i got to watch my heart, I can become a glory grabber where it's about, about me and what, what I'm doing, what I want to do, what I want to accomplish. God convicts me and says, Bob, stop being a glory grabber and be a glory giver. Give the glory to God and who he is. We, we, really, true. we can't do what we do apart from him, really. We can try to kind of work our way through it and make it kind of happen, but the, the, the glory of God, the, the the greatness of God. The word glory speaks of his greatness. and the, the, the immensity of who he is as God. It's hard to put our arms around the glory. No matter what we do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, the Bible says do it to the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink, the, the mundane things of life, even the mundane things of life, that, that God gets the glory. Do you live for the glory of Jesus? Do you live for the glory of Jesus? And then number four, long for the return of Jesus. Wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Titus 2.13. That we wait for the blessed hope, and the blessed hope is that future coming of Jesus Christ. I'm a 70s guy. I was a 70s guy. Went all through high school, college, and 70s. And in the 70s, and my 70 buddies in here, I'll tell you what, in the 70s, Jesus was coming. Remember that? I mean, it was just, everything was about the future. It was, and it was, I can remember just going to bed at night and saying, can I just wait till I get to be, get be a senior in high school before he comes? Or before I go to college? I mean, just you know, weird stuff as a high school guy, weird stuff. And my point is this, that's been 40-some years ago for me, 45, 47 years ago. Is that right? Oh, my. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. It goes by quick, doesn't it? 
that's another story, another, another sermon. But we, we kind of get away from that a little bit in the last couple of years, more than a couple of decades. And Jesus is coming, church. He's coming. What's happening in Israel and Hamas and all the area is not, you know, just something that's coming out of the blue. It's God is, that's, that's the focal point of God and his coming. I'm not saying it's going to happen because of that right now, but, but he's coming again. And so often as a church, often as me as a person, I just, I don't think a lot about that he's coming. Do we long for the coming? When our kids come to visit us, our, our Colorado kids. I, I've got a daughter right here in the room here. It's right here. I love it. So get to see you all the time. And, but I miss that. I, I long for them a long time. You know, just a, a months go by and sometimes almost a year goes by, doesn't it? And, and you long for that. You long. I'm asking God, God, would you give me a, a, a greater longing for you? Where it's not about Bob and what he's doing and what he wants to accomplish. But it's about who you are, God and what you want to accomplish in me for his glory and his greatness. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for this intriguing passage in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17. Uh, to be transparent, I would just say this passage is a, it could be challenging. It might be one we might overlook. And that's the, that's the good thing about going through the Bible verse by verse, and just tackling and working through it. And so, Father... We hope we did it in a way that, that honors your name and directs our thoughts to you. May we live our life for you. I, I love the fact that Jesus took that, that shekel and said to, to give it to those who need it for the temple tax. He didn't want to offend them. He wanted to make a difference in their lives to have to be able to have a conversation with the gospel. And God, use our lives to have those kinds of conversations and to live our life in those kinds of ways. Before I close out this prayer this morning, it's good for us to look at our own life personally. So what about you and what about your faith? What about your, your faith of, of the gospel? Has there been that defining moment for you where you said yes to Jesus? Where the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God? Not of any man, any person who should work for it. Has it been that defining moment for you? You may have a question. What does it mean to be a Christ follower? What does it mean to put my faith and trust in Jesus? And I would just ask you right now, maybe just raise your hand and say, that's me right now. But I'm just kind of contemplating that, what that means for me, to place my faith and trust in Christ. Anyone would say, that's me in this room today. As a Christ follower in this room today, what about your life when it comes to faith? In what areas of your life do you need to grow in faith? I believe the, word God, the Holy Spirit prompts us in our own personal life. Here's, Bob, here's where you need to grow in your faith. And God is faithful to work in your heart and life. Father, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for Jesus. May we live our lives out well for you. Uh, to have that longing for you. The word... God, to give you the glory that you deserve. You are an awesome God, so worthy of worship. I just pray over our church family and guests that are in this room that they would be encouraged today. I know we walk out of these doors, out of the 
the church, and we kind of, okay, the life just quicks. You know, I get it. That's what, that's what happens. But God, someday, sometime during the day, it prompt us about faith. Prompt us about how we can serve you and look to you for strength and help. Use us to make a difference in our community, Father, in, the, in our own family dynamic. We give all that to you, we pray in Jesus' name. And together, church, we said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.